Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked-up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gauthier. All right, well, welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon, the new and improved Canon, with two ladies who are about to flip the oil field upside down. Ladies, it's early on a Friday, but, you know, both of you obviously like to, you know, you're ready to kick some ass. You texted me, you were here on time, went outside, you we're guys were ready. full of piss and vinegar, totally large ready. coffees in hand. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. actually, it's funny because you guys even were like, yeah, we can't do, because we originally we were going to start at like nine or whatever it was. or mm-hmm. And then you're just like, no, well, we can be there at six. And I was like, okay, these ladies are definitely oil filled because no one else <laughs> in their right mind would want to come sit behind a microphone at six in the morning. That's so us. I applaud you guys. That just shows your commitment and your enthusiasm. So I like that. So I normally start off like an introduction, tell me about yourselves. But what I really want to get down to, like right off the bat, is your guys' new podcast coming out. And we were just talking about this, how powerful it is. There's so much, there's so much knowledge and, and experience between the two of you, mm-hmm. and especially being ladies in the oil field. It's something that up until now, you know, historically, it's been male dominated. So the fact that you guys are coming out, you know, you're you know, exposing yourselves and trying to help, you know, the industry understand that there's there's a shift in the oil field, I think is outstanding. And so before we get going with your individual stories, just give a brief outline of, you know, when the podcast is launching. Chances are when this podcast is on iTunes, it's you guys will have already been launched, but at least that way people can right away once they listen to this, Find they us. can jump on your guys. Yeah. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Tell us what the podcast is, what it's about and when it's going to launch. So Flipping the Barrel is our podcast. It's coming out September 10th. So be on the lookout for it. And the main reason we wanted to do this podcast was we wanted to shine a light in the oil and gas industry specifically as a like as women's perspective right. looking into it right yeah because it's been a great experience for macy and i and i feel like there's nobody out there that's really communicating like how great it really is and, and how welcoming it is for women because you only see you know when you go to these conferences and stuff you only see a bunch of men and that's kind of just been like what everybody's thought for so long so i feel like with macy and i opening up the floor and also saying how long we've been in this industry and sharing the stories of other women you can see that there is women that work in this industry and, and i feel like everybody has a story that can help support more women coming into the oil and gas industry. No, that's perfect. And in, and just, you know, and we're going to get into your guys' experience because what I don't want people to think is it's two pretty ladies that all of a sudden got into oil field sales. Yeah, and, and that's what would happen. Right, because <laughs> and, and it's so common that, you know, and, and granted, I understand from a, you know, marketing and a business perspective is, you know, you have, you find someone with personality that whether they work in medical or they work at Best Buy or at a restaurant, yeah. it's like, hey, come work and sell for us. But no. the, 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 the coolest part about your guys' podcast and your story is that you actually have like real oil field experience. You've been in the trenches. Yeah. You've been shut down, you know, with regards <laughs> to being in sales. Yeah. All so, of it. Yeah. yeah. So whether you're a female, a male, or however you like to identify nowadays, because mm-hmm. it could be anything, can, can identify with your guys' experience instead of being like, oh, cool. Like these ladies just start a podcast and they think they're going to do something with it. But like to have the experience, to share knowledge, and to hopefully help influence young ladies out there or ladies of any age to, to come into the industry and Hopefully you guys can debunk some misconceptions. Yes, that is exactly what we want to do. Yeah, like the raw truth of like, hey, it's not as bad as what, you know, the public eye makes it seem. And that's Mm -hmm. one thing that I love about podcasting is, you know, the media does a great job of tarnishing our industry, right? Mm -hmm. Anytime Uh you hear about oil and gas on the news or in social media, nine out of 10 times, it's like earthquakes, you know, injuries, or, you know, they burned an oil tanker down or, you know, it's bad. So to be able to shine some positive light in the oil industry is such a fantastic thing. And so I'm super excited for what you, you know, what you guys are about to do and just the momentum you guys already have. I mean, I've seen you on LinkedIn for the last few weeks and it's like you guys are blowing (laughs) up all over the place. So... Yeah, well, let's get going. Well, before we get going, I want to take a quick break. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do me a huge favor and take just a few minutes, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is welcome and appreciated, good or bad. Also, if you feel like you have a great story or an idea for a show, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'll be sure to consider it. And yeah, just hit me up. I love to interact with everybody out there. So keep doing what we're doing. 
So let's go ahead and I'd like to get to know a little bit about each of you. So Maciel is how you pronounce the name, right? Yes, okay, Maciel. Okay, we talked about this. And, or some people also know you as Macy, correct? Yes, correct. So awesome. Instagram, Facebook, people know me as Macy. Yeah. YouTube as well. But right. real professional life, people know me as Maciel. Nice, nice. You have like an alter ego. So you can yeah. like, you're like a super woman. You can like jump into a booth, change yep. your name, change the look, coveralls to, you to know. business. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell your story leading up to your new role as city sales here in Houston. But first, I had no idea you worked in Canada until I dove into your LinkedIn. So start off, where are you from and how did you end up here sitting behind a microphone with me today? Awesome. Okay, it might be a little bit long, so I'm going to try to cut it into a shorter version. No worries. I'm originally from Colombia, okay. a little island called San Andres in the Caribbean. That's where I was born. When I was five, my mom decided to pack her bags and move to Canada. So okay. we immigrated, just both of us, nice. to start a new future and... Really, to for her was for to provide a better life for me versus staying in Colombia, which at the time was very violent and et cetera. Okay. So we moved to Montreal. For those of you who don't know, it's in Quebec. So it's a French part of Canada. Right. And from age five to about 23, I was there. So can I... Can you claim yourself as being French Canadian? Because you know sometimes that has some negative connotations to it. <laughs> to be and honest, I'm from Alberta and <laughs> British Columbia, so we already have a little tension before Correct. we go. Correct. So weirdly. <laughs> Everyone always says, well, you're, you must be Canadian at this point. You've grown up your whole life. I consider myself 100% Colombian. Good for you. Yeah, Weirdly, stay true to your roots, right? I am. And we grew up very Colombian. So Spanish was only allowed at home. Like sometimes my cousins, I would start speaking in English and it'd be like, no, Spanish allowed only nice. to keep that culture. Good for I you. I grew up eating the Colombian food, v raised Colombian. So when people say you're Canadian because you've lived there so many, I, I get really upset. Like, yeah. no, I'm Colombian. Yeah, good for you. It's so. nice to like stay true to your culture and your roots. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because ultimately you wouldn't be who you are today without, you know, having your family and everyone being from Colombia. So no, I, I appreciate yeah. that. So anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. So grew up in Canada. I went to McGill University. I Where studied is that? In Montreal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Most people don't know. Yeah. <laughs> good. Did chemical engineering. Very random. Most people ask why I did engineering. It was very random. I didn't know what I wanted to do at that time. Okay. I liked chemistry and math. I was like, okay, chemical engineering. Were you always good at chemistry and math? I was, so this is a long story, but I would say from middle school till high school, I was average. I was like a B, B student, yeah. nothing crazy. And then right when I got into college, which is two years before university. So I know it's confusing for Americans. Sure. College is two years before university. I started to really study and focus on school only because I knew that my mom came to Canada and sacrificed, you know, a good portion of her life for me to be successful. So I was yeah. like, I need to dive into school. And then I was really good in school and university. Gotcha. Okay. So you recognize where your strengths were and you capitalized on it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So you go to university and what did you do? Like most of the time growing up, like obviously like what, you know, did you have any kind of hobbies growing up? I mean, in school, did you play sports? I mean, you're obviously fit now. So it was working out a big thing for you. Or? Working out since I was about 16 has nice. been like number one in my life. Cool. So awesome. Fitness and health has been really big, which is really hard into when you get into an oil and gas industry yeah because it's like the last thing on everybody's list yeah you know, exactly especially in the field oh yeah no i completely understand that cool so you go to university and what happens after that slumberger was recruiting at the time they had a program called stilettos to steal toes and it was really marketed towards women nice stilettos so, to steal toes yeah that's, so it was, that's badass it was cool <laughs> I like yeah that. yeah so it was a. Uh, they had a ton of like pamphlets and flyers and all this stuff. And it was a girl wearing blue coveralls, mm -hmm. but she had her makeup done. Her hair was done and she had high heels oh, cool. on one foot. And then the other foot had like, you know, steel toe boots. <laughs> nice. So I saw that and I was like, it, oh, it was almost speaking to me like, that's me. No way. So I applied and I got an internship with them. And that was my first oil field experience. I moved to Grand Prairie for the summer. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I did fracking. Okay. For that summer. Cool. When you say fracking, like describe. So were you like a field engineer? Yeah, I was a field engineer. Well, yeah, a field engineer. I just kind of shadowed the operators. I helped change, you know, the maintenance on the pumps, be in the frack van with the rest. I was I was kind of thrown all over the place and just got to experience what the, being in the field was like. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So then you were in the field with Slumber Jay, but then you also... Because you kind of bounced around Alberta a little bit, didn't you? And then all of a sudden you got into the U.S. Yeah. And so describe that story. So my internship was in Grand Prairie. Went back to school. Fell in love with oil and gas. Mm -hmm. After that summer, I said, I'm not going into any other industry unless it's oil and gas. So why was that? So growing up, I didn't know anybody in oil and gas. It was never a thought that I would have even ever go into this industry. Yeah. Because no one I knew was in it. Right. 
what I loved about oil and gas, especially that summer, was the opportunity to grow mm-hmm. and also the financial aspect of it. Right. So growing up, it was a very low-income family, obviously single mom. And when I went to Alberta and I saw just the the money, yeah. you know, all the oil field. I don't know how to explain it. I just saw opportunity for me to make a living. Okay. No, and, and that makes sense. I was like, that's it. I need to go there and be successful in this industry. Yeah. So, so would you say like, because back then financial was a big driver for it? Like, and, and maybe not like, probably because like you said, you grew up in an, in, in an income sort of bracket that was different than what you saw in oil and gas. Does, did you see that as like freedom or an opportunity and like to, to be able to acquire things that you didn't while you were growing up or? That's been my number one driver my entire life, even till this day. I want financial freedom and I want to provide for my family what I guess, you know, not everybody's parents could provide. And I'm not demonizing my, you know, childhood. I I would say I had one of the best childhoods and I can't thank my mom enough for literally everything she did for me. But it was a struggle at the at the end of the day, I still saw the struggle behind her, yeah. and I don't want that. Yeah, so. no, good for you. And and you know what's interesting is people like yourself who grow up in that type of environment, they face adversity. They see, like you said, the struggles, and and oftentimes that that adversity actually makes you strong and and gives you that drive to be able to pursue greater things. So yeah. it's interesting because like now I'm in the position too, like. I've been extremely blessed and fortunate and all at the same time work my ass off mm-hmm. to get where I am. But it's like I'm almost having to like manufacture adversity for my kids because, you know, they get almost everything they want. Yeah. Like there's 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 lines that they can't cross. And, you know, I try if my daughter wants a treat, I tell her to do 10 burpees and then yeah, she like yeah. gets all gotta upset. For it. Yeah, so <laughs> you got awesome. you, you to work towards what you want. So, no, again, it's, it's really interesting to see that you've, you've where you, you know where you were and especially in Montreal, like. I've been in the oil field since 2004, and I don't think I've met anyone else from Montreal or Colombia. Like, yeah. I've met a lot of Colombians from in oil and gas, but being in, in Montreal. So it's interesting that Slumberjay made their way out to McGill and, and recruited someone like yourself, which was obviously a huge win for them. Yeah. So jumping ahead now, so you worked in Alberta with Slumberjay, and then they transferred you down to the States, right? Yeah. So after the internship, I started with them the year after in Wireline. So okay. got a little bit of fracking experience, didn't go into it, went into Wireline, okay, open so, hole logging. Okay, so describe that. Because a lot of people, when they listen, they're like, yeah, I love the conversation, <laughs> but like, uh, we also like the technical side. So can you describe briefly for people who don't understand, maybe ladies who have heard it but not understand it, like what is Wireline, open hole logging, stuff like that? Okay, so Wireline, which at first when I signed my papers and went into it, had no idea what it was. I remember Googling it, trying to find stuff on YouTube, nothing out there, which right. is why now I like to talk about it because whoever's coming into it, I want them to understand. Yeah. So Wireline is how Slumberjay started, you know, 90 plus years ago. And it's to make it really simple. It's you have a cable in the back of a truck. Right. It's a wire with conductors and, you know, and you have a computer at the top and you basically have tools at the end of that wire. Okay. So the tools vary depending on what the customer wants. And it's it's really a way for the operator to see what's in their well, what their reservoir looks like. So okay. anything from neutron, density, porosity, rock properties, sonics. And why is that important? It Because it lets you know your layers, your formations, where the oil is, where the water is, where your pay zones are. Okay. So, you know, you're drilling blind in a way, and then you don't know if your well is you know going to be amazing or it's not. So you usually call Wireline Open Hole to come log your well. Okay. So basically tells the story of the well and you're able to look at the data and then they can then make decisions Correct. and figure out where maybe they're fracking or basically kind of get a plan forward. Yes. And, and, and on top of that, kind of see what the economics can look like potentially with that information that you get from logging. Yeah. Right. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like I've had geologists, you know, sit in the truck and they're like, antsy, can I see the logs? Can I see the logs? Because the logs could tell you a lot about your well, like, shoot, oh, yeah. this was a really bad investment or, hey, this was, like, we're, we're, we're winning. So yeah. it was really exciting. It's also, you work on a rig and you kind of chase rigs. So from when you finish one job, you head to the next rig, to the next rig, to the next rig. So you get to meet a lot of people and travel a lot. So it was yeah. fun. Yeah, no kidding. And then, so did you get, were you wireline logging when you came down here as well? Yeah. Okay. So I was in Canada for about four years in Alberta, all Northern Alberta, Fort St. John, Grand Prairie, Red Deer, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then with the downturn, you know, activity kind of sucks in Canada yeah. since 2016. And they basically said, hey, you can move down to Midland, which was really growing at the time, or right. you can get laid off. 
So I was like, well, I think I'll take Midland, Texas, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I took that. And then I was there for about a year and a half, still running wireline in the truck, still in the field, doing, you know, the crap work, I right. would say. And if anyone follows you on Instagram, which how many followers do you have now? Almost 27,000. Yeah. So there's 27,000 people that, <laughs> that that have seen the grind. And yes. it's like, and in, myself included, it was neat because I saw you, someone had tagged you or something. Anyway, I, I came across your Instagram. I'm like, no kidding. I'm like, she's out there. She's always got a smile on her face. Yeah. She's like, hey, look at me. I'm in the, you know, logging truck with your coveralls on. And yeah, so that was pretty neat. But so you were in Midland and then did that. And then you recently now got a position here in Houston, right? Yeah. So I was in the field for a little over five years. And as fun as it was, I had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. And that's just kind of, I think the oil and gas industry you have really good days and like horrible days. Yeah. And I think after the five and a half years, I started to tell myself, like, I think it's time to get out. As much as I liked it and all that, I was married. Mm -hmm. Well, I am married. Yeah. And it, it almost felt like it wasn't fair for my husband, who isn't in oil and gas, right. to not have me at home. I almost felt like I wasn't a wife anymore. Yeah. I was like, okay, peace out. See you in a month. Yeah. You know, because that was my rotation to Midland. It was 30 days and then 10 days off. And I would fly home. Yeah. And we had two dogs and a house. And it was almost like I've gone to the point where now I have a life set up. We have dogs, we have a house, you know, and I'm not enjoying it because I'm still chasing the dollar, Yeah, which is why I didn't want to get out of the fields. It was, I wanted to keep making that oil field money, Yeah, you know, and I always thought that if I went into the office, I would take a pay cut, right. which is the case. A lot of a times, lot of times. It can be. yeah, right. But I was like, you know what? Money's not everything. I'm pretty okay now. Let's just go home. And I, you know, Good for you to be able to recognize that. And it's funny because a lot of times the roles are turned, right? Like yeah. the husband's the one going away and the wife's at home taking care of things. And and I'm speaking generally and through yeah. my experience, like, you know, like in my whole career, every time, like I was in the field for a few years with precision, a couple of years, you know, as a mud engineer and, you know, nine out of 10 times it was the guys leaving, you know, their uh. wives and their families, <laughs> you know, making the money. And then the joke was always like, I make the money and my, you know, my wife spends it. Yeah, and so, yeah that's like every... <laughs> All, everybody I know, like their wives are always like at stay at home, which is not it's a problem. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny when, especially when I first met Macy and I heard her story, like, yeah, it's, it's like different, right? It's yeah. like the opposite, I guess, of what people perceive like most of the industry is. Big so, time. and that's what makes it so great about our podcast. And, you know, just our stories alone are so different than what people perceive really goes on, right? Yeah, so. no, most definitely. And so, so you're in city sales now, is that right? Yeah. So okay, I got cool. out of the field. I always say got out. People are like, it seems like you got out of jail. You yeah, know? I know. It I is. got it's out like, of the field. Yeah. It was. It was a, you know. And then I got into sales for perforating products. So anything from charges, gun carriers, switches, streamlined cables, all that stuff. So now I take care of that portfolio. Awesome. Good mm -hmm. deal. We'll appreciate the story. Yeah. Jamie, let's go with you. And that's funny because you and I met, you know, we're both in sales. We've been in sales for a while. But yeah. you were with the company you were before, which was. Through Tubing Solutions. That's yeah. right. We were in Ultima Mesa's office yeah. and we were delivering <laughs> breakfast or something. And yeah, doing our morning runs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we kind of hit it off because we started, I don't know, started talking about fitness or something. Fitness, yeah, yeah. CrossFit, I think, or something. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I think uh, I've talked to you about competing too. That's so I right. used to compete in fitness. That's right. Because you did bikini, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And figure, I did the all natural shows. So yeah. good for you. Yeah, it That's was badass. It was awesome. Definitely harder to do when you're in a sales role and you're always going out to know. lunch. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. Because like I had a buddy that worked in our office and he was a physique competitor and he literally like, you know, the Tupperware in hand, six meals a day, strict, never went out to eat. I'm like, okay, if you're a tech behind the computer, like you can do that. But yeah. like someone like yourself who's out and about, has to entertain, you know, can't be a social like weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> right? I slowly weaned off of it. Now I eat anything I want. So I don't really carry my Tupperware anymore. <laughs> well, you look great then and you look great now. Uh, so whatever thanks. you're doing, it's working. <laughs> so yeah, let's start off with you. What was life like for Jamie before getting into the oil field? And how'd you get into this circus? <laughs> yeah, thanks for asking. So I basically, I grew up in the country in Magnolia. So okay. I was always like always with the boys like I was a tomboy definitely I rode horses I I played out in the backyard I went on trips we went hunting we went fishing like that's all the stuff that I did and I was really big into sports nice. so I actually got a scholarship to play volleyball for Sam Houston State University oh, and at the you. time I really didn't know what 
I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to be in sales because all my jobs leading up to going to college were always sales related. So like I worked in the mall and I sold jeans for buckle and like we made commission and I loved it. Like I love the competitiveness. So Mm. I knew I wanted to do something in sales. I just didn't know what industry. And I kind of thought maybe sports because I was also really big into sports. Right. So especially playing volleyball for a university. So I originally thought that I was going to do something on that path, but I never really thought about being in oil and gas. So I ended up getting my degree in in marketing and I was working at Lululemon, which, you know, is a pretty expensive brand, right? So, and I remember when everybody would come in and buy stuff, like a lot of their husbands or even some of the women that came in they worked in the oil industry. Okay. Which and Lulu did you work at? I, I worked at the one in the Galleria. Okay, yeah. And then I also, like, they kind of sent me everywhere. So I'd be in the Heights, and then I helped with the one in the Woodlands. So I was kind of all over. Nice. So I'd meet these women, and I'd meet these guys, and they, they all worked in oil and gas. And I was like, man, they, this is the industry I probably need to get into. <laughs> yeah. So I'd start picking their brains when they came, and I'd be like, yeah, so who do you work for? Like, you know, like. Yeah, just trying to get an understanding of who and what and why. Yeah, exactly. And what was really funny was, at the time, LinkedIn was was becoming something, right? So I posted my resume on LinkedIn and I posted like where I worked and like being an athlete and everything. And companies really liked that I played sports in college. So that was actually really beneficial for me mm-hmm. because they always thought, well, she must have really good time management, especially making good grades in college and playing a sport like Very that. disciplined, obviously, as well. Hey, yeah. yeah. And coachable and like competitive, right? All the things that companies looking for, especially with like an entry role position. Good point. Yeah. So I, it was so random. I literally got a call at Lululemon from a recruiter on off LinkedIn. He saw that I worked at Lulu and I guess he called like multiple Lululemons to figure out which one I was no at that way. day. What? Yes. That's crazy. It was freaking crazy because he called and they were like, oh, Jamie, the phone's for you. And I'm like, who's calling me? Right, yeah. I was, Someone to complain about their Lulus that yeah. like, somehow the seams rip. And then I'm not complaining about Lulu. I, like almost all my closet aside from where it closes Lulu. So yeah. being from Vernon <laughs> or from BC, like yeah. I have a huge loving for them. And then they actually opened one up in Katy. So my wife and I are pretty pumped about that. But anyway, yeah, love, I love the store. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Lulu, if you're listening, we wouldn't mind being sponsored by yeah. Lululemon. <laughs> no, I'm sure both of you could probably become ambassadors for Lulu. That's what I'm trying to do because oh, like, I wear yeah. a lot of their work clothes. So I'm like, hey, look. Like, oh, yeah. So do I. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. They pants. make great dress pants and dress shirts. So, they do. And I get made fun of. But then the next thing you know, people are like, oh, I actually really like those pants. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? I just bought my husband some. But a shout out to. Jason. What? Jason. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Jason, if you're listening, man, I apologize. I've been knowing you for years. But anyway, shout out to Jason. He's a he's a he's a stud. Yeah, anyway. he's awesome. Yeah. So the LinkedIn. So he found me on LinkedIn calls and I literally thought it was like a scam. I'm like, how's this guy? How did he get my number? Like and so I asked him for his number and said I would call him back after work. Cause like I'm like gonna talk to for a recruiter, sure. you know. <laughs> at work. Yeah, at work. <laughs> Which is weird. Like recruiters call me at my office. They'll be like, they'll call my front desk and be like, hey, this is so and so from whatever company. And then they're like, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk? you know we have an opportunity open i'm like i'm sitting at my desk at my current employee like what why could you not send me a message or like email me to call you i know right so for any recruiters out there like you may want to change your game up a little bit because that doesn't work yeah (laughs) it makes it really awkward i'm like let me call you later yeah (laughs) so so yeah so i called him and there was a position that i like when when they also give you a position they don't tell you what it is or anything. They just right. kind of give you an idea of how much you're going to make and like what the role is, right? Yeah. And so it was for a management trainee position for this midstream company. So anyways, I was like, yeah, I'm very interested. So he helped, they actually help you like write up your, your, not your front page. What's that thing called? Cover like, letter? Cover letter. Yeah. Yeah. They help you with your cover letter. So he like wrote my whole cover letter for me and everything. Wow. And I ended up getting into the interview process with them and I ended up getting the position and there was 10 other people that were selected. And they all were from big universities like A&M, UT. They all had engineering backgrounds. And I didn't have an engineering background. So I really thought from the start, I was like, that was not going to be it, right? Because, I mean, these guys were from like really big universities. Mm -hmm. And they really liked my background. They really liked like that I played sports, that I was coachable. They, They saw that I was competitive. So they selected me and another guy. So this company was one of the largest bulk storage providers in the U.S. Mm. So they did all the imports and exports from all the refineries. So they were midstream. And so all of the like biofuels, ethanol, and all sorts of biochemicals that we store here, that was basically what they did. Mm. And it was called Vopac. It was an awesome company. But so I was there for two years and I, that's where I really learned all about oil and gas. And they sent me all over the world, like 
went to the Netherlands and then I went oh, to, wow. which was really cool. And then I went to all different places in the U.S. to go to conferences where I would write up about like the next biofuel or like the next thing that we're going to need to store. Hmm. But what I found out when I was there was that tanks, like since we were the largest tank terminal, it was like there was no selling. You're basically just like keeping and maintaining the companies that you have because you can you can't store more product if you don't have like more capacity. Exactly. Yeah. And we we're always at like full capacity. So at the time I was like, man, like this is not like kind of sales role that I thought because you sit all day, basically, you don't go out. Right. And I was like, I did not want to sit behind a desk. And at the time, this is when I was doing the competing because I did sit behind a desk. So <laughs> yeah. I would like bring my food to work and like eat all my meals all day. Yeah. So it made it a lot easier. For sure, right? Super like strict on your routine, everything Yeah, else. exactly. Yeah. So this is also when Rig Zone started coming a thing as well. Yeah. So I put my resume on Rig Zone. So for anybody who doesn't think the internet doesn't work, I mean, like, that's how I got all my jobs. It's so powerful. And, yeah. that's, and I was going to mention, like, you know, LinkedIn nowadays is so powerful. And so, like, how you had, you know, you created your sort of your story and your resume on LinkedIn. Anyone out there who's not using LinkedIn in the professional world is, is you're missing out. Honestly, 100%. And, and you're sucking a little bit at life because nowadays <laughs> it's so powerful. And, like, Although you can like, the thing is you can't really, like you can create your own story on, on, on LinkedIn and you can put whatever on there, but eventually someone's going to vet you. So don't mm-hmm. go on there looking like a rock star when you're not, but yeah. you know, to, to have the ability to put your experience and put a little bit about yourself is great. And, and kind of like, you know, you, you said you were at Lululemon, a recruiter found you and it's like, you know, how you do one thing is how you're going to do everything. So you probably showed, you know, working at Lululemon and, and, you know, putting yourself on LinkedIn and putting yourself you know, creating sort of your own brand allowed you to pursue and and get opportunities that normally you wouldn't otherwise. So for all the young folks out there, like, you know, put, you know, make note of that because that's extremely important. Yeah. So the thing is, is I never knew anybody that was in oil and gas that could like help me get a position. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people assume that like I knew somebody or my dad works in oil and gas or yeah. that's how I got my position. That's a hundred percent not the case at all. I I didn't know I didn't know anyone. So that's why I use these outlets on the internet to try to meet people and try to get into the industry because that was the only way I was going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So I used Rig Zone and funny enough, I got a call from Slumberger off of Rig Zone. Okay. So, and that's basically where my whole career started as far as like the oil and gas, like the non midstream side, like where I'm at today is because I got an interview with Slumberger and like I said, like I didn't have engineering experience. Like I didn't have a really technical background. So when Slumberger approached me and offered me a position where they would teach me everything, because they basically throw you into a school, right? When you get hired, mm-hmm. I was all about it. And they loved that I knew how to drive a big truck because I was interviewing for a bit role for drill bits. Yeah. So I would have to go out to the rig and go out to location with these massive like thousand pound drill bits. Right. Yeah. So the first thing they asked me is like, do you know how to drive a truck? And I was like, I rode horses growing up. Like my mom pulled the trailer. I got the truck when I turned 16. Like I drove like a huge 2500 HD Chevy. Like they loved it. They were like, oh my God. Okay. This is great. (laughs) She knows how to drive a truck and back it up. I'm like, yeah, I can do all that. It sounds basic, but I mean, that's, that's real. Like, it's not real life. Many people do nowadays. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So, and they like that. I knew like the hunting and the fishing and I was able to just like go out and be one of the guys easily. Yeah. You, uh, you could, know, you could relate and be able to talk about those types of things with people in the field. Cause you know, nine out of 10 times, especially down here in Texas and in the oil field in general, you know, hunting, fishing, yeah. I mean, anything like that is, is extremely popular. So yeah. for you to have that experience and, you know, growing up around that, yeah, you were fortunate enough to be sort of born into that lifestyle, but yeah, you were, you understood, you know, that was extremely helpful. So you, yeah, and they obviously recognized it. So 100%. That's awesome. Yeah, it worked out really well. So they hired me on and I it was right when I hit the ground running. Like they put me through like a course for drill bits. I had to learn like everything about rock profiles, about how wow. the bits worked and everything and, and also how to like pick different sections based on how the rock was and like what area you were in, if you're in the Permian or South Texas or whatever, it all depended on like bit size and like bit profile mm-hmm. and all of that. So, and not to cut you off, but for people out there who are listening who aren't really familiar with drill bits, it's mm-hmm. different than the bit that you stick on the end of a drill and through go through a wall. So, yes. can you kind of briefly describe like what a drill bit is? Yeah. So, a drill bit is basically what cuts the rock, mm-hmm. and you have really two different types. So, you have a roller cone, which is more of like a crushing type cut 
And then you have like a PTC bit, which is more of a shearing. Mm -hmm. And these are the two types that they have different profiles. So they design them in all different ways with all different cutters. But these are the two main types of, of bits that you have. And basically, it's what allows you to drill the earth, just in simple terms. Yeah, no, <laughs> really simple good, terms, yeah. Yeah, it's a good explanation. And for people out there who don't under, quite understand drilling rigs, you have your drill pipe, which is basically like a big straw, and then you have the bit on the end, and that straw turns, and then naturally the bit turns. Or you have a mud motor that you pump mud through, and the, the bit turns. But yeah, Jamie hit it on the head. It basically allows you to to get to the oil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the start of getting to the oil, right? So it was really cool. Like, once I learned how the bits worked and I could actually speak on them, I started going out to the field and I loved the field. Like, oh my God, it was so much fun because it reminded me of being on the ranch because oh, I drive yeah. up in my truck, like on a lease, basically. I mean, there's deer everywhere and I mean, you're basically on a deer lease yeah. well, or the, well, the owners actually own it, but I would call it a deer lease because we never owned our own ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would go up and I guess the hardest part starting out, which was pretty funny, which is something people don't really think about, is just figuring out where to park on location. Yeah. Like that was like the one thing I was nervous about. Cause like you pull up, there's cars everywhere. There's trucks everywhere. Like there's trailers and you're like, I don't know which one's a company man's trailer. Like, and, it's, and it sounds funny, but there's like parking etiquette on a drilling rig. And yeah. people can identify if you have no, if you've never been on a rig before, it's That's like, true. here's this fool Jeep parking yeah. in the middle of the lease. Like who is this? Guy? Exactly. Yeah. So, and it was always awesome. Like getting, like when I got out of the truck and people were like, oh my God, that's like the bit salesperson. Like it's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it because they... Once they realized, like, I knew what I was talking about, it was like I got a whole nother, like, they really trusted whatever I was saying. Cause it was Your like, credibility oh, my, was... yeah, my credibility like went up like tenfold. Mm -hmm. So, and then they really liked it when I would come by and it was just, it really worked out well for me. And I started to, people started to get to know me, yeah. especially since I was like one of the only women bit cells that were out in the field. So my reputation grew. And with that, I got more opportunities. So I started selling in the field and then Slumberjay put me over a product line for just small roller cones for drilling out plugs. Okay. So what are plugs? So plugs. So this is out of drill. Like there's drilling and there's completions mm -hmm. and plugs they use in completions when you're fracking, they basically separate each stage. So they allow you to pressure up the well and perforate for the next stage. Cool. So what the roller cones did that I was selling is they would drill out those plugs. So you could actually produce after you use the plug for that completion process. Perfect. No, that makes sense. So I was selling the roller cones because Slumberjay at the time didn't never ha didn't have a salesperson that was actually pushing that in the completions. And through that, I met the people at TTS. So through Tubing Solutions, that's what they do. They run motors on with these roller cones to be able to drill out plugs. Gotcha. So they offered me an opportunity to go and sell downhole motors and learn more about that process versus just drill bits. And it really excited me because I was like, oh, I'll get to expand my knowledge base, right? So I took the offer and then I ended up going over to TTS. And I have to say that being in oil and gas, what's really great about having a good reputation and especially being a woman is that you do get recognized and that really helped me grow in my career. Nice. So those are all like the really positive things about being a woman in this industry is that when you do do a good job and you do know your product, especially in my type of role where I've always been sales, People, and they know you, and I've been able to use that with every company that I've worked for. Good for you. Yeah, so I worked at TTS, and then now I've moved on after working there for almost three years. I moved on to selling pump down and wire lines. So I'm getting like a whole entire like view of everything completions and understanding all the, the processes, which really helps in communicating to the customer their needs. And all of that is basically because, you know, in sales, it's all about, like I said, like your reputation. So yeah. it's been really great for me. And I'm just really happy that Slumberjay gave me that opportunity when I first started and took that chance on me and yeah. gave me the training that I needed in order to get to where I am today. Right. No, and that's one thing that I really like about big companies. And, and oftentimes you see, you know, folks like yourself, they start off at big companies, get trained, and then other opportunities come up. Mm -hmm. But big companies do a great job is providing the training. Because a lot of the smaller companies, it's like they don't have the overhead or capital mm -hmm. to be able to put you through all these training courses. And it's like, we run lean, mean, and we make money. Whereas yeah. like the big companies, you know, they have these programs to help develop people's careers, which is extremely valuable, kind of help you set yourself up for success, which it sounds like it did. So I have a few questions to ask, you know, both of you. But first of all, you know, and either one of you can start with answering it. But like, 
what's been the biggest challenge for you guys or what have you had to overcome as a female in a male dominated industry? And obviously you guys like you're at a position now that you've been extremely successful, but I would imagine there was, there was things that it hasn't been all rainbows and unicorns. Like there had to have been times where it's like, you know what, like if I'm questioning this or what, but like, what have you had to overcome just, you know, through being a female in a male industry? Ooh, <laughs> that's deep. So <laughs> I definitely, my biggest struggle was always perception mm-hmm. because one, I didn't have an engineering degree and I am blonde and a woman. So they immediately <laughs> thought when I would walk in, especially in the field, that I was just going to get a ticket signed. Mm-hmm. And so I had to very early in my career show that I know what I'm talking about and I'm here for business and I'm here to get you your answers and also to sell you a great product. Right. And once I got that across, it grew and it prospered into people understanding like, oh, if Jamie's here, she's going to give me the answer. She knows she's talking about. She's here for business. Mm -hmm. And I never really had to worry about it after that. But I really had to work my first two years of really growing my reputation so people understood that like, there's a lot more to me than just like what you see. Right. So for me, it was, it was definitely perception. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Makes sense. Yeah. What about you? I would say it's very similar to Jamie is more like proving yourself over maybe other people. Sure. The the only difference though is being in the field is they see you out there. They see you working, they see you dirty. So it's, it's a little bit easier for, for me in the field to show like, look, I'm here to work, you know? But I think now that I'm in sales, I could definitely relate to Jamie where they're like, Okay, obviously we know why you got the sales job. You know, like there's a lot of perceptions on why you are where you are mm-hmm. because you're a girl. Right. But you're like, dude, you want to look at my story? Like, yeah. yeah let me yeah. let me run you through through my story to see that I am where I am today because of my hard work yes. and my sacrifice in the field and leaving home and all the craziness, sleeping in pickup trucks, not showering for days. Like I've done it all. Yeah. But I think when I walk into a room now in sales and this, they might think like. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She she's just put into this role because you know she's a girl and yeah she can weasel her, her way into opening the doors. But I think right. once I start talking and I know what I'm talking about and I'm like oh look at my field experience, they see me completely different. They're mm-hmm. like wow yeah. like I okay you know what I actually want to give her a chance and kudos to you because you're a girl and you went through all that shit right yeah, yeah. and oh, you get true. like such a great like respect after that yeah mm-hmm. yeah like i've had people introduce me like once they get to know me to their business partner or whatever go like yeah okay so this is Maciel, whatever by the way she's not just a pretty girl blah 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 like yeah. she's not your typical sales girl like she she knows her stuff and they kind of elevate me a little bit to help me on the next yeah you yeah. know discussion or whatever that's awesome so what would be your biggest words of advice for young ladies out there who are maybe skeptical about getting into the oil field because of you know the misconceptions i mean what would be the biggest word of advice for females, whether they're in the industry or they're looking to get into the industry? I think for the younger girls who have asked me is mainly show. I always talk about the fields. It's kind of what I know. Maybe you can talk about on the sales side mm-hmm. is if you are coming into the field, work hard and show that you want to be like, a, not like a guy, but that you don't want to be differentiated because you're a girl. Yeah. Be a, be a, be a guy. Right. For the first couple of years. Right. Because the second that you come in as a new person and you're a girl and you're already like, oh, I don't want to lift that up. Oh, I don't want to get dirty. You kind of show them that you don't you want to be treated like a princess or you want to be treated better than them. Yep. And that doesn't work well. Right. You got to just try to help, you know, lift, get dirty. And I think once you start even just showing that you want to lift that tool up or that you're dirty, they, they respect you so much. And then they come in and help. Right. So throughout my whole five years in the field. Everyone was extremely helpful. It's the misconception is, oh, maybe you won't be treated well in the field. Or the rig guys are going to be mean to you because you're a girl. Mm-hmm. I had the complete opposite. Everybody was like, man, you're, you're here. That sucks for you. Like, I feel bad. I wouldn't want my wife to be here. I wouldn't yeah. want my daughters to be here. So I'm going to help you. Yeah. So it's been really helpful. I've had a really good – I've always said, like, guys have been – the most supportive throughout the whole mm-hmm. my whole career so. wow and it's interesting like you say you know don't be afraid to get dirty don't be afraid to like lift heavy things but it's not only women it's there's a lot of guys out there nowadays <laughs> like there's a lot of powder puff kids yeah. out there boys that you know That's just, true. It, they feel like they're entitled it's, it's just crazy it's a whole another topic for another day yeah. but 
to me, it sounds like, you know, work your ass off, gain the respect because regardless if you're male or female, if you, you can't work hard, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you, you're going to look, you're going to look down upon and chances are you're going to get weeded out. Mm-hmm. And that right now, just because of the volatility of the market, like they're not just hiring warm bodies off the street. Like you have Mm-mm. to be able to work your ass off, create value for the company. Mm-hmm. And whether you're male or female or however you identify, it's yeah, just work your ass off. And it's funny how lucky you'll get if you just simply work hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so, so Jamie, what, what about you? So mine is is pretty similar. So with the sales, and I've always done the sales role, my biggest advice is no matter where you work or who hires you, start asked to go to the field. So the first thing I've always asked in my interviews is I'm like, okay, but I want to go where the guys are. I want to learn what they're doing in the field before I sell it. I can't just go and sell a product and not know what it is. So every company I work for, I spent time in the field and I spent time knowing the district managers, knowing what they do, meeting some of the field guys and understanding the product before I go and sell it. And I feel like that gives you like 10 times the respect when you go and talk to a customer, especially if you've, if you've been out on location. Right. So that is, that's my biggest advice is to, even when you move companies, go out on that location so you understand how the process works in the field. That's great advice. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people and I'm in the mud industry, but like, you know, folks that we hire on that don't necessarily have maybe good sales experience, you know, we always encourage them or not even encourage them. It's like, you don't have a choice. Like you're yeah, going you to gotta. a rig, you're going to go sleep, you know, in the yeah. same trailers of mud engine, you're going to run mud checks, you're going to tell Derek hands what to do, you're going to get with the company man. And so, yeah, having that field experience is extremely valuable. So I, I applaud you for taking that initiative because a lot of people don't want to do it. It's, no. and, you know, they're afraid or they're, you know, it's like, well, I'm in sales. Like, why do I need to go to the field? But it's like, you don't understand when you go into a customer's office and even if you say, oh, when I was at a rig, I did this and mm-hmm. it worked. Nine out of 10 times are going to trust you versus being like, oh, yeah, our company, you know, did this, that and the other. And I think you should do this. Well, then tell me why. Did mm-hmm. you do it? Have you seen it? Have you put your hands on mm-hmm. it? And if you can, at least give some sort of like story about how when you were in the field, it, it's a it's a big struggle. So yeah, good it makes for you. it hard. It definitely makes it hard. Yeah. No so kidding. it's way better, especially if you're a woman to it. Even it just helps that much more. And that's what I always tell my yeah. new managers. I'm like, I have to go to the field. Like, you don't understand. Like, I cannot sell this product until I see like on the ground what it's doing. Like, yeah. and that's just, that's my stipulate. I think my first thing. Good is, for you. Yeah. That is, I commend you like greatly for that because it's, it's most people don't. So biggest word of advice out there, everybody is like, obviously get to the field, get your hands on it, get a little bit dirty. So we're getting close to time here, but there's a couple of questions I want to ask. So for each of you, do either of you have any daily routines or habits that keep you focused and motivated to just keep grinding every single day? Working out. (laughs) My inner competitiveness with myself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like every day it's like just being in sales alone. Like it's always, I'm always competing just with my yesterday. Like Mm -hmm. whatever I did that day, like I need to make sure I see customers today. I need to make sure like my numbers are this. And I'm just a very competitive person. Like I'm type A, like it's just like, like rise and grind. Like that's just how it is. Right. So it's natural to me, but yeah, just being competitive with just my own, my, my own self is probably like my biggest thing. Okay. So do you have any, like, like you, obviously you're drinking coffee. So it's like coffee and morning routine type of thing. A must. Yeah. Like, so it's wake up, coffee, grind. Wake up, coffee, workout. Eat, eat, eat and work out. I love food. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Messiel, what about you? I would say working out is what gives me energy? If yeah. I don't work out that day, or if I don't run, forget about it. I'm yeah. done. Get the get the blood flowing. So are you you, you said you wake up and you work out in the morning. You said yeah. So okay, good for you. So do I. So I can identify. It's got to be the first thing I do in the morning. So whether if I have to wake up at five a.m., six a.m., depending on what my day looks like, I do it. Nice. Just, yeah, I'm very just very disciplined on the working out part. Gotcha. It's what yeah. It's it's yeah. what keeps me happy and all yeah. those endorphins. Yeah, have to yeah. agree. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of working out in the morning. I have been ever since getting into the oil field, basically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. certainly I can identify with you there. All right. One last question for each of you: Is there something about you that not many people know about? Any good hidden secrets that you'd like to unleash to the podcast world? It doesn't have to be like weird or quirky. Just like something kind of unique that like maybe it's like an odd hobby or oh, just something that's like kind of odd that no one really knows about. People now kind of know this, but they always are shocked that I don't drink alcohol. Okay. So I'm in sales and like the first thing they think is what, like, how do you, how do you sell and not drink? Yeah. Well, it's pretty simple. You just don't, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, you make a decision. You make a decision. You to it. Yeah. You know, that's funny. So for 2019, I committed myself to, to not drinking. So, and I started drinking at an, quite an early age <laughs> in yeah. high school, having a good time, being at parties, being with my friends, older brothers. 
yeah, I made a commitment to myself. So like New Year's this year, you know, things got a little out of hand. The next day wasn't feeling so hot. Everyone's been there. But when my daughter wanted to play with me and I was too hungover to play with her, I was like, nope, I'm making a commitment to myself. I'm not drinking for 2019. And so it was more of like a challenge to myself. So yeah. and then people are like, oh, you know, it must be hard, this and that. It's like, well, firstly, I don't make it like I'm not a social weirdo. So like I can go out and have a exactly. good time and not need to drink to get out of my bubble, which, you know, for some people it's a challenge. But fortunately, I, I guess I'm just pre, you know, genetically predisposed to be able to talk to people without yeah. needing some sort of substance to, <laughs> yeah. you know, dissolve my ego and talk to people. Anyway, so no, that's cool. I didn't know that. But I mean, yeah, so me and you can sip soda waters if we're ever out in a function together. Yeah, yeah. I'm always like, this is not water, it's straight vodka, wink, yeah. wink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maciel, do you have any unique traits about yourself? Or I can anything? kind of join you guys on that. I've actually, since I've never really drank alcohol my entire life, okay. maybe like one or two shots here and there to like peer pressure, but I don't, yeah. I, I don't like any alcohol okay. mainly because of health and fitness. Cause I'm crazy like yeah, that. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, I don't know if I want to drink that beer for 200 calories. I'd rather eat ice cream. Yeah. It's just my preference, nothing against alcohol. I would say something that not a lot of people know about me and it's kind of in this subject is I had an eating disorder for like 10 years. Okay. So that's something that I want to talk about later on because no, our podcast that's... is all about women and all I guess. Yeah. And I think that's something that women struggle a lot with guys too, but mainly yeah. women. And yeah, I think that's, yeah, 10 years of my life. Wow. I, I wish we had more time because yeah. I'm big into health and fitness. And I and, and I say that, but I'm also very just interested in like, you know, the human biology and mental health mm -hmm. and like, you know, connecting mind, body, spirit. And now we're getting into the woo-woo world, which everyone probably just stopped <laughs> yeah. listening. But yeah. I would love to have either you on again or just, just the conversation in general. Because yeah. like growing up, I had a lot of friends and stuff like growing up in British Columbia. I don't know. It's like a cultural thing. Like everyone like wants to be fit for the summer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen, you know, women especially like to go through calories. yeah cutting calories being at a calorie deficit all the time having issues with their menstrual cycles now they're not able oh, to boy. get you know Full 10 years i can we can talk about that uh, yeah right there's now. a lot there probably between the both of us on yeah. the fitness thing for sure yeah no i have uh, we should do a full fitness podcast yeah, that would be we, awesome this is like a subject neat. that we talk about daily is macros Literally calories, every day working out <laughs> yeah uh, the struggle of you know, just, just like, eating out like like yesterday. Exactly. Yesterday, I went with a customer to, they wanted like Chinese restaurant, like full rice pot, uh, yeah. noodles. And I was stressing out the whole day. I'm and like, I was supposed to go with her. And I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm not going. I don't want to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like this kind of stuff that it's like, yeah, we uh, <clears throat> stresses me out to know what's in the food and the oils. And I've gotten better over the years. Yeah. But I used to only eat literally like salads mm -hmm. all yeah. day no pr i was scared of chicken i was yeah. scared of eggs like well, it was wow. crazy yeah. Yeah. and i ate out of tupperware like so i mean i cooked yeah, all you my knew meals exactly we what need you to were do eating yeah and, and i and i weighed everything like i was so neurotic yeah yeah no we should do an, an episode do whether it's on yours or on mine <laughs> yeah, or whatever but like definitely. a full because it's you know it's funny because people oftentimes they bug me like especially in my office they're like oh you know we're not even inviting me to lunch anymore like that's fine i'm like look i don't even care like, yeah but the fact of the matter is if you know i'm coming with you i'm gonna tell the waitress like you know what dressing kind of dressing on the side yeah dressing no on the side. oil no, no oil. butter yeah yeah every so, day yeah all my coworkers are like what are you ordering now a salad and you're gonna say grilled chicken with no oil like they know my order because it's yeah. the same thing and that's, that's what i'm saying i'm just very disciplined yeah. with my fitness health all that stuff and people hate on it or they yeah. seem to but then they're like um yeah i want to lose weight do you think you can help me yeah you know they, they come around. everybody talks about like so yeah. i've had the same customer since i, I started yeah. and we talk about it literally all the time they're always yeah. asking me for advice they always are like well i'm gonna order what she's ordering because they yeah. know like they've known me for like seven years they know what what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, and, and on a flip side, when you talked about like relating with people with hunting and fishing, I'd say the biggest thing that everybody asks me every day is about diet. Yeah, no, I can, I certainly get the same thing. It's hilarious because the people that make fun of me the most are the ones looking for advice and figuring out. And then they're like, oh, well I'm having trouble sleeping or, you know, my libido is not where it used to be. I'm like, are you sleeping well? Are yeah. you eating well? Because if you want to perform at a high level, you need to be doing all those things, like mm -hmm. maximizing them. So if you're eating like crap and you wake up tired every day, and you're drinking how are you every gonna, night. Yeah, yeah, how are you going to be the best at your job? Because you're not. Yeah. But if you're taking care of your your body and your mind and you, you know, you're putting, it's like fueling, you're not going to fuel a Ferrari with shit gas, exactly. right? If you want to perform like a Ferrari, put the best fuel into it, just like your body. Like it, it's, it's a no brainer and there's so much science backing that up. But people just don't have the discipline. But if, you know, folks like us can help educate people and inform. And it's just like, 
I've tell people like you don't have to like go from like eating like crab to all of a sudden like flipping it and just eating like 100 percent. it's like just like it's slow change yeah like i've been doing what i've been doing training and eating the way i've been eating since i was 18 yeah. like it doesn't happen overnight yeah like, it's a it's a it marathon takes, yeah yeah since like, 16 i've been the way i am obviously way better now yeah with the whole so quickly before we get out of this we need um, to do another podcast <laughs> on like all the diets we've tried keto <laughs> so many everything keto is the funniest thing oh my god <laughs> So my boss. But but on that note, though, we really are doing one on our podcast. So I think it'd be really great to, really have cool to have you. And like we because we've to. been talking about like tips of how to eat in the field and stuff like that. Yeah. So so I think that would be that would fit really well. Like yes. I never ate gas station food. Yeah. I, 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 I was like, I would walk in there and I was like, so you were so hungry. You're like, I just want that burrito. But I was so disciplined. I'd bring like my I would buy carton of eggs yeah. and bring them to the lager and microwave just omelets and a little they were like, what the frick are you eating? This is disgusting. And I'm like, yeah. I need to stick to my calories. Yeah. And like That's the biggest thing. And, and so if anyone's other in the field that's listening, you're better off fasting than you are, you know, Just eating, eating something to, to create, to, to satisfy your craving. So that's my biggest word of advice for a lot of folks in the field is like, you're not going to die if you fast for 12, fasting, 16, yeah. 18 hours and then find like, you know, every gas station has pistachios. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like or nuts or of some almonds. sort, almonds. Yeah. They have little protein, protein shakes. shakes. They have the protein yeah. shakes. Yeah, exactly. No, this is, we could go we, on. Yeah, for I days. know. We gotta, gotta <laughs> talk forever. So, but anyways, everyone out there listening, look, I want to take a few minutes to tell everybody about some upcoming events. Hey guys, this is Alex, and here are the events on deck for September 2019. We are bringing Oil & Gas Tech Podcast to the Internet of Things Conference in Houston, Texas on September 16th through 17th. Joining us will be CEO Marty Sprintson of Vantique. You can register online at iotandoilandgas.com. The Midstream Networking Golf Tournament will be held on September 6, 2019 in Cypress, Texas, and the dress, of course, is golf attire. The NOV Sporting Clays Tournament will be on September 20th, 2019 in Katy, Texas. Dress is casual. The Blockchain and Oil and Gas Conference is in Houston, Texas on September 18th through 19th. And the dress is business casual. That's all for September. Hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Thank you. I also want to mention the OKC Fin, Feather and Fur, which will be happening Friday, October 11th at the Heritage Place, Oklahoma City. This is relatively new for the Oklahoma region, so show them some love and go onto the AADE website or hit up Courtney Strang with Inwell for more details. Anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey? Well, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old-timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall. They have an ice rink on, out there, so hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. If you're looking to get in shape for back to school or fall, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Oil & Gas Onshore. If you're looking for more info, hit up oilandgasonshore.com. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. What's the best way for people to reach out to you or get to know, know more about you guys? Obviously, LinkedIn, which I'll put the link in the show notes mm -hmm. for you guys, LinkedIn, and then Instagram for flipping the barrel, right? Yes. Is there anything else that you guys are on? Like you said, YouTube. Do you have, you have a YouTube channel? I do. It's Mace Fit Life okay. on there, and as well as my Instagram is at Mace Fit Life. Okay. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes, and that way everyone can reach out yeah. to you and, and get to know more about you guys and hopefully maybe ask Her Instagram is way cooler than mine, so I don't really, <laughs> I don't really promote mine. I'm just like, yeah, go to Mace. Yeah. 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 Funnel it to her. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, everyone... Always thank remember you. that's a wrap. And when the density is up, yeah, ladies, thank you so much for coming out. You guys are doing a great thing. You're going to change the industry one episode at a time, <laughs> one post at a time, and just, you know, keep the conversation going amongst ladies and, and even the guys out there that are trying to learn. So, yeah, and always remember when the density is up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Ooh -wee. Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil & Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com. <laughs> <laughs>